This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. You weren't able to tell from the laughing child and the cat crying into the sadness that this is the Wednesday show, the midweek show, because there's a cat and there's a child. Oh, my goodness. All right. Okay. Well, if you, like this cat, are just too excited, have too much energy, and feel like you've got to just do something else, anything else. Go sign up for a daily fantasy game at DraftKings. There you go. Pick your lineup. Entry gate fees for games anywhere from a couple bucks to a hundred bucks, whatever you want to play. All sorts of fun stuff. Big cash prize, cash prizes. Uh, DraftKings have paid out over seven billion dollars to users across all sports. That cat is going. <laughs> you you got me? the cat that wants to scratch more. Why would you go get that cat? The cat. She's more willing to dance. Yeah, she looks more willing to dance when she's going to bite your face off. All right, you know what to do to play. Download the DraftKings app. Sign up using promo code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right. So the cats are here. We're going to do Soda of the Week in questions. This is Soto of the Week to start off the show. Is Boylan's Shirley Temple here? That cat. <laughs> She's so excited to try out DraftKings, Daddy. The cat's excited for DraftKings. Is that what's going on? Yeah. Good. See, good. she's she's going to town now. To, she's going to Columbus now. Why would she go to Columbus? What? Try out, you don't try out for a game. <laughs> you sign up. You download the app. Then you play the game on the phone and you watch games. Well, she's going to steal your phone. Well, she's going to steal my phone. Okay, the cat's going to steal my phone. Let's try the Shirley Temple. Hmm. It's fine. Just kind of lightly sweet. If you want a soda that makes you go meh, boiling Shirley Temple, that's the ticket. What do you think? Yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of the most meh soda I think I've ever had. All right, let's get our trivia going for the week here. Name two situations in which the referee, as opposed to the linesman, does the face-off. What? A situation and a situation. Okay. The referee does the face-off at the beginning of a period and after a goal. What happens if the goaltender plays the puck behind the net, but outside of the trapezoid? The trapezoid. All right, we have we're on it today, <laughs> folks. We are on it. If the goaltender plays the puck outside of the trapezoid, a minor penalty is assessed. What is the maximum number of players allowed on an NHL roster? That's a ro- 
Numbers. Numbers. Numbers are the worst. We all hate numbers as we should. Numbers in hockey. All right. Get out, kid. You enjoy the soda? Is it growing on you or is it still kind of meh? Talk. Because most of the people who, who get this show hear it, they don't see the video. I don't know. You don't know? All right. Fair enough. It's like there. No, don't. No. Why? Why? She is asking the kittens why they're going after each other. Oh boy. Anyway, folks. All right. So here we go. Get 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 Well, if you're hearing the child in the background trying to herd cats, that's fun. Starting off the show discussing No, just get the cat. Just just get just go. Just go. The cats the cats can stay. You can go. Fine. When she starts scratching at the door, it's your fault. Yeah, that's fine. We can live with that. All right. So, uh, starting off looking at the standings today. Uh, things are not getting better for the Blue Jackets after that terrible loss to Carolina. Um, again, the way I've described the folks is we watch, the, we watch things by points percentage. Um, I mean, right now, the difference between looking at the standings by points and points percentage is pretty much the same, except that uh, the Blue Jackets go from fifth to sixth uh, if you go from points to points percentage there. So that's where we are. It's uh, it's not great. Um, that's where we're at there. Going to playoff percentages, we're looking at Money Puck today. Uh, they've got the Blue Jackets projected at a 26.2% chance of the playoffs. Honestly, that the thing is, this season is so weird, things can turn around quickly. And you just don't know what's going to happen with it. Um, the thing is, they've got a span coming up here, the Blue Jackets do, where they could, they could do some things quickly here. Um, all right, one second here. So... We've got a two-game home series with Nashville, uh, Nationwide Arena there. We get Nashville on Thursday, Nashville on Saturday. Then next Tuesday and Thursday, we get the Chicago Blackhawks. Then the following Saturday and Sunday, we go to Nashville. So there's a huge chance that – not a huge chance, but there's just the opportunity there that those teams that you are close to in the standings, being Chicago and and one of the few teams you're ahead of, you can try and make up a bunch of points there. Because that's something you need to do at this point. Um, you, you've got the thing is to make the playoffs. You got to be better than four teams. Now here, here's the reality in my mind. I think this team right now is still trying to figure themselves out in a lot of ways. And I don't think that's being helped by how the team is being coached currently, but it's something where they can get better throughout the season. And and very quickly, there are three teams that have kind of jumped out as far as being the ones who, between Florida, Tampa Bay, and Carolina, 
those three teams are really jumping out. Um, I've been saying for a while I thought Florida was going to kind of kind of fade. They haven't yet. I mean, Florida is – they've played good games against Carolina. They've played good games against Tampa Bay. They've got the highest points percentage right now. Um, we're to the point where they've played an actual amount of games. They're up to 14 games now, only three less than the Blue Jackets. And they've got 22 points in 14 games, whereas the Blue Jackets got 18 points in 17 games. Now, there, there's always those groups of people in the fan base that are the uh, excuse makers that want to point to, oh, well, they've played less games, they're less tired and whatnot. Yeah, but there's also that other side of it, which is when you play less games, you kind of get out of practice. and th- These other things happen. And like, I'm very interested to see how this series goes against Nashville because Nashville was supposed to be playing Dallas the last couple of nights. And because of just the awful situation in Texas with the, the, the snow and it being cold and they're not being able to handle it, you just – you don't know how Nashville is going to be coming back from that. Are they going to come back rested or are they going to come back rusty? You just never know in these kinds of games. Um, Now going into the blue jackets, kind of recent games here, since we last talked, there's really, there's really only been one game since then. And it was the Monday night debacle uh, of the blue jackets losing seven, three to the Carolina hurricanes. Now, Allison Lucan wrote a really interesting piece on Jackets Cannon. Uh, Jackets Cannon? Yeah, uh, there's the website there. About this concept of um, uh, this this concept of um, no, it wasn't Jackets Cannon. It's first Ohio Battery. I don't know why I thought she wrote on Jackets Cannon. That's, that's my bad. Um, the first Ohio battery. She wrote about this concept of, of momentum. Um, and, and she acknowledges when she writes the piece that all the numbers in it are just kind of thrown out there. Right? They're, they're just, we don't know if these numbers are telling us anything or if they're just kind of there and interesting, but the reality is there were two sequences in that game Monday night where the hurricane scored quickly. Um, in the second period, they scored two goals that were 45 seconds apart. In the third, they scored twice 32 seconds apart. What what we're running into at this point with the Blue Jackets is it feels like there's just there's just no middle ground. If the offense looks like they're going at all, the defense seems to give up. Um, if the uh, if the offense is, if the defense is going, the offense seems to not be able to do a thing. Now, here's the interesting thing about that 7-3 loss to the Hurricanes. For some reason, this feels different than what I remember it being when I first saw these numbers. By possession metrics and by expected goals for, the Blue Jackets um, at 5-on-5 five five, score and venue adjusted were the better team. They had a slight edge in possession, uh, Corsi for a 50.63 and an expected goals for um, a 54.63 advantage. That is, I mean, it, it's one of those things when you watch the game, 
it was just these breakdowns and these little moments where everything kind of fell apart. And as a fan, these are getting frustrating because I mean, it's, I don't know. I'm trying to, trying to wrap my head around it as a fan because there's ways to look at this at these last few games and to be kind of encouraged. Maybe maybe I'm encouraging myself here as I'm talking to you all, but because I mean the the three games before let, let's let's look at it this way the last three games now two of these were against the Blackhawks so that has to come into account but one of them is against the Hurricanes a team that is doing very well in the last three games the Blue Jackets Corsi four at five on five which is essentially a shot share um, five on five scoring venue adjusted sixty six point six percent. 52% and 50.63%. So a slight edge in that most recent one. Expected goals for 63.4%, 69.3%, 54.6%. In comparison, the three games before that, their course E4, 42.9, 35.7, 39.3. Um, and then expected goals for 32.34, 32.47, 24.93. And and the weird thing is in those previous three games they were two and one. So, I mean, over the last three games the team has looked better. Um, and that kind of matches what the Blue Jackets do. Uh, and may, maybe there's maybe I'm working through some therapy with everyone here while I'm thinking it through because I'm. I'm trying to work through it, and it feels like maybe this is a team. Because the last few years, this team doesn't seem to get better until they hit their spot of adversity. And maybe this year, we had the Dubois trade. We had the just the circus around Dubois. Then we had everybody talking about the line A benching. And now we've got Warinsky hurt. Uh, we had Elvis hurt. Maybe there's something there that's galvanized the team. I don't know. Because in these last three games, just looking at those, kind of those numbers. And and it's the kind of thing where it feels like they've been playing better uh, in some ways. I mean, again, as part of what made that 7-3 loss to Carolina hurt so badly is that it really felt like, especially in the first period, because when you look at the full game against Carolina and when you adjust for everything, first period, they had 52% of the, of the course before uh, expected goals for 55 second period. They get caved in 43% of the course before um, only 33% of the expected goals for third period back up to 54, almost 55% of the uh, shot for and expected goals for 71%. Maybe, maybe I'm talking myself into being more positive about this team now. And that kind of feels like where I'm going the more I look at this. Because I, I don't know what to make of this team, guys. I just don't know at this point. Um, I'm not sure. And the, the thing is, we're, we're seeing some things that are making us feel better. I mean, Cam Atkinson's finally going... Um, the whole league seems to be getting in with us on this this Jack Roslovic trade. I mean, it feels like a joke still kind of to call it the Roslovic trade, but at this point, 
of any player in that trade, he's done the most. Now that, um, especially now with Pierre-Luc Dubois, he came back. I think he played two games for the Jets, and now he's on the IR with a lower body body injury. So, so we'll see what happens there. Um, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna hear a quick word from our friends of the Hockey Podcast Network, and I'll be right back. Uh, you know what? I, I'm just I, so I, heated because of what what you're telling me because I I do not want to live in a world <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac good macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for candy. God. <laughs> oh my God! Go to. Go to Italy. If you ask, if you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD? They will tell you KD is the best. It is superior. It is a fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country. With my co-host, Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we've still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Rouge, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern England's only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great one. All right. Um, a couple other things I want to talk about tonight. And these are kind of more league-wide things that I find interesting going on around the league. One, um, talking about changes to the draft lottery. Uh, apparently, one of the big motivators for this is there's not a big... There's a couple things that seem to be bothering teams. One is what happened to Detroit last year. Um, the way it's being put is last, so last year, Detroit was the worst team in the league by 23 points and they fell to the worst possible position in the draft lottery at fourth. And it, one of the reasons some of that annoyed people is that the Red Wings aren't tanking in the traditional sense. Are they bad? Yes, they're terrible, but the team pull out all the stops to make the playoffs every year for years. They did it for 25 years. And when that finally came apart, they were bad. The cupboards were were dry. There was nothing. So it's it's an organic rebuild. They got to start over from scratch. And some felt they should have had the better pick. The other situation I think some are concerned about is they don't, they want there to be kind of a limit on how often a team can jump, can draft in the, in the top three. Um, essentially that a team can't draft in the top three more than 
you know, it, they can't do it two years in a row. And, and I think the concern there is that you're you're not wanting a team to be able to 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 jump in, get multiple picks early because of the the draft lottery because of dumb chance. I can kind of see it. Um, I'm personally someone who is the more I think about it, the more I like the gold plan, which if you're not familiar with it, the gold plan is this idea of and essentially the the, the positive idea of the gold plan is that it always uh, incentivizes winning. So it's always incentivizing what you want in the league. And the idea is that once a team is mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, now they are essentially playing for that first overall pick. And how the draft order would then be settled is whoever gets the most points after you've been mathematically eliminated. So theoretically, let's say a team is eliminated with 10 games to go. Um, and let, I'm just, again, trying to keep the numbers easy. The first team that's eliminated is eliminated with 10 games to go. Well, there's 20 possible points for them to pick up. If the second team's eliminated with nine games to go, they can only potentially win 18 points. Now, if that team that's eliminated with nine games to go, if they win five and get 10 points, and the team that was eliminated with 10 games only wins four and gets eight points, then the team that got 10 points in those final nine games, they get the number one overall pick, and you get the idea. And then it goes kind of down from there. And I like that idea because it allows fans to always be cheering for their team to win. Now you would get some weird situations where, you know, when you, if you knew your team was bad, where you were kind of wanting to get to that eliminated level early and then you want to turn it on and start winning, but it always incentivizes winning, which is what the coaches want, what the players want. And really GMs want to win. There, there has never been a GM who took the job and like, Oh yeah, tanking. That's my favorite part of it. Cause again, tanking is the easy part. Because just being bad isn't hard. And and the other reason I'm... If they do nothing and don't change the draft lottery, the reason I'm not too worried about it is this isn't basketball. Um, it's not even football. Like, basketball is the ultimate team sport where a single player can turn around a whole team. Hockey can't do that. I mean, even Connor McDavid, when he was drafted to the Oilers, they weren't a playoff contender right away. And they, 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 they took some time to get into the playoffs and then, you know, they've been up and down. They haven't been to a, a Stanley cup or anything. It's not like getting that best player in the world gets you into the cup right now. A lot of people are saying that um, Nathan McKinnon is the best player in the world. The avalanche haven't been to a cup. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's what makes you the best player in the world, but even if you have the best player in the world, it doesn't just mean you get to go to a cut. You're going to, you know, have a, a right chance at the cup. It's not like basketball where you had the best player. You do it. And in football, the reason I say it's not even like football is in football. If you once you get that quarterback, you can you you things can happen for you. So, and then again, hockey. I mean, hockey is kind of closer to football where you can get those big impact players at nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen, second round, that sort of thing. All of a sudden, you'll get a player that can change your franchise. Um, in the way that in football, I mean, you know, some of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, Russell Wilson was a third round pick. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, the guy who's considered kind of the heir apparent to being the best in the league, is he was an 11th overall pick. Tom Brady was, what, a third, fourth, fifth round pick, something like that. He was picked real late. So if they decide not to change the draft lottery, I'm not too overly concerned about it. Um, another story that I felt like it was worth talking about. What is going on with the Phoenix Coyotes? 
or the Arizona Coyotes, excuse me. Man, that's a dumpster fire out there. Um, Katie Strang wrote a big piece for The Athletic detailing how the Coyotes organization is run. And I'll make this comparison. I'm not trying to make it political, but it's what I, it's the first thing that came to mind because I know, because I've read about how the businesses are run. The business practices of the Morellos very much reminded me of the business practices um, of a lot of the Trump businesses over the years. And that is to say the specific tactic of you do business with somebody, you get a supplier, you get somebody to do work for you, and then you don't pay them. And then you try and settle to pay them for a lower amount. That seems to be a business practice. Uh, the article alleges Morello's do it. Um, the reason is I've heard a lot of stories about Trump businesses doing it. And both those types of that business practice seems to lead to lawsuits a lot. And that's what's happening with Morello's. They're getting sued by a lot of people. There's people talking about it being a toxic workplace culture. Um, and just issues of, I mean, the, the big thing that was strange was there was a okay this is this is the the big part that i think really goes to show how far off the rails the arizona counties have gone in an email distributed shortly after armstrong took over as gm hockey operations employees were warned that quote unauthorized distribution of any club information will not be permitted and is grounds for disciplinary action, disciplinary action up to immediate termination, end quote. In that email, which was obtained by The Athletic, employees were asked to sign an acknowledgement form consenting to these terms. I don't know if I've ever heard of something like that, said one longtime executive with over 30 years of NHL experience. In November, agitated that organizational information had been obtained by The Athletic, Armstrong contacted this reporter, so that's Katie Strang, offering a theory that his daily schedule and other files had been stolen from his computer. He warned that the person who he surmised was responsible would be going to jail. After delivering a lecture on journalism ethics, Armstrong asked this reporter what she thought would happen if he were to tell general managers around the league how she did her job. So... Essentially, what Katie Strang is writing is that Bill Armstrong essentially kind of thought that he could try and threaten her by saying, "Oh, nobody else will talk to you after after this if if I if I tell them how how dishonest you are or whatnot." And then after the article came out, and and in the I mean, the, the Athletic did the right thing that reporters are supposed to do, which is before you publish a story, you essentially share what you have with the subject of the story, and you say. This is what we're going to publish. Do you have a comment so it can be in the initial story so that you can have your say right up front? That Coyotes and the NHL declined to comment. Once the story came out, the Coyotes essentially wrote something talking about how great a guy the owner was. Um, used the fact that he'd had other successful businesses to try and prop up how great a guy he was. And then essentially said they were looking at legal action against the athletic. They didn't actually say that they that any of the things in the story were not true. They just threatened legal action, which reminds me of certain other businesses. When you just threaten legal action, but you can't actually threaten a specific thing, 
you're just being a blowhard. You're just throwing crap out there and seeing what'll stick. And that's what the Coyotes were doing. And that's not a good sign for them. Uh, the NHL still hasn't officially commented. The uh, rumor mills from what I've heard on things is that, I think it was Elliot Friedman that was the first one that said it was, that he wonders, because there's mentioned several times in the article, uh, different legal teams looking into stuff going on. He mentions the idea of, he wonders if one of the groups looking into it, if the NHL has hired one of the uh, lawyer for law firms that is looking into this. Because the NHL, they want to know how much of this is true. Uh, apparently, the big concerns around the NHL, there is a fund that all teams contribute to, or that the profits contribute to, that can be distributed. That's essentially like a hockey growth fund. It's the idea of helps you kind of grow like high school teams and youth teams and that sort of thing. And there's an allegation in this that essentially the Coyotes may have misused some of that money. And that's the kind of thing that if you're an NHL owner, you're going to be upset about. Because if, if the Coyotes are running their organization into the ground, I mean, depending on, for a lot of owners, how interested they are from that is going to end with where their, you know, where does their pocketbook come into play? But I, I fully expect the NHL to look into it. If this is how Morello is running the team and that's, I have no reason to think Katie Strang is not reporting this completely honestly and fairly. I don't think they're long for the ownership because you just can't do that. Sports is not that kind of business. Um, it's not a business where you can scrimp and save on dollars and cents and and make it work. You have to be able to, especially in the modern sports world, where so much money, especially on sales tickets, comes from uh, you know the luxury boxes and the 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 getting those high ticket people, those high dollar people, to pay to pay top dollar for their experience. You can't scrimp and save on that. You've got to make it be. I mean, you, you can keep it from being insane, but I mean, behind the curtain a little bit on what I know of the sports business, especially in the modern era, the Blue Jackets, yes, they, they want to sell out their arena every game. But if you told them, hey, I can give you 100% capacity in the seats, but only 50% capacity of your suites, or I can give you, you know, maybe 50 to 60% of your seats, but every suite is full every night they'd take the sweets because the dollar numbers on those sweets folks is huge. And especially if you're taking about the sweets and then those tickets, they get to like go in the last I heard, I think it was called the, the Lexus lounge. Um, those are high dollars guys. I mean, there are people that spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for just one seat. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's not the kind of money I've ever had access to. So it's the kind of thing where if this is how Morello's doing business, I think he's going to have some issues. Uh, final thing tonight, Andrew Marchand of uh, the New York Post, uh, big sports media dude, wrote an interesting story. So the NFL is renegotiating their television deal, and the NFL is going to get a ton of money from networks. And there's apparently this rising concern that when they do so, what money will be left over from the NHL? And he, he posits some of the things we've talked about um, he says that probably the three favorites are you talk about Fox, NBC, and ESPN being the ones in the running. But essentially what his discussion comes down to is if the NHL wants to make the most money it can 
be fully expecting that part of their next TV deal will create an exclusive series of games for either ESPN Plus or Peacock. And part of that is both Disney and Comcast, who owns Peacock and NBC, really want these streaming services to work. And and something that I kind of thought of the other day here is, remember that a few a week or two ago, Peacock essentially bought out the WWE Network um, so that all that pro wrestling content is now through Peacock. So, I mean, that we've got, that's happened. And that probably will happen um, where we're going to have people doing that kind of stuff. So uh, the next TV rights deal is going to get weird. Things are going to get strange. Um, there's, it's probably going to be more segmented what you're going to need to watch all the NHL games. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, as it stands right now, folks, uh, for the Blue Jackets here, Thursday night's going to be big. The, the thing is, the, the season's so short, and they're already kind of behind the eight ball. They got to start making up games. Because after the Nashville, Nashville, Chicago, Chicago, Nashville, Nashville, then when we go into March, my goodness, we will be in March. And then, when does the regular season end this year? Do we go into May for the regular season? Yeah, we do. We go into May for the regular season. Uh, it, it's just been crazy. So then early first week of March, we go one game. We get one game at Detroit. Then two in Dallas, then two against Florida, and then two against Dallas. So the Ides of March, by the Ides of March, we're going to know a lot about where this team is going. Um, that's kind of my feeling on when we're going to have a good sense of is this team going to be able to make a push for the playoffs or not? Because after those games, you got four straight against Carolina. And and Florida and Dallas and Carolina, those are all teams that are going to be right in the mix. Dallas, I still feel like that those doubt those three Dallas games over the course of about two, two and a half weeks, that's going to be huge. Um, because Dallas, that really feels like the team that if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to beat out Dallas. Um that's really what that feels like. So this year the trade deadline is Monday, April 12th. So that's still Wow, it's still almost about a month out from there. So I don't, I don't know what the trade deadline is going to look like this year. We actually play a game that day against Chicago. But as it stands, guys, um, most important game is the next one against Nashville here. Uh, so thank you all very much for watching, listening. Um, however you watch the show, thank you very much. If you like the show, comment. If you listen on podcasts, please like, comment, subscribe, tell people all that good stuff. We do appreciate it. Again, check out DraftKings. Use promo code THPN. Thank you very much for listening, and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show, follow us on Twitter at Jackets Debrief, and thank you for listening.